Welcome to Central Assembly of God's podcast. We pray this message speaks to you. the last second song of the, the revival kind of thing you know God just just download this thing 2,000 years ago he blow this wind of the Holy Spirit upon 120 disciples but God said in the last day it's not 120 it's not 240 he will blow this mighty wind of the Holy Spirit across the earth. There will be millions and billions of people that will experience the power of God. And I believe that because there's a promise in the books of Acts. And I'm praying even today, uh, last night God reminded me something. We're going to continue the series that Pastor Kerr had preached about spot before the fire. And because we are here as a family, and I want to challenge you, um, even this morning, there's two things. Number one, those of you are called intercessor in this body. You know who you are. Intercessor. You, you stand again. You intercede. Will you please intercede for all the pastor, their family, and their children? I know some of you, you know, I believe, I believe, when we stand before God one day, God will call upon those that we never recognize, we don't know who they are, they never written a book, they never in the, in the traveling circuit, they never preach anywhere, but I believe that God called that one, they called those that intercede. Now, I, I have a revelation of that. Jesus came, was born, came in the first time on this earth, it's because of intercession. Because Simeon and Hannah pray in for God. And I pray, I believe that the second coming of Jesus Christ is true intercession. They're praying for his coming back. The intercessor is the one is going to change the course of the history of this world. I believe it 100%. But those of you really be called by God to intercede. What do you mean by that? There's a difference between an intercessor and a prayer warrior. You know that? You see, an intercessor is someone who will press through until God gave the answer or until God lift up the burden. See, a prayer warrior can go to a prayer and just pray and can leave the place. Nothing happened, nothing changed. But intercessor will hold on to the throne of God and say, God, until you answer, I will not let you go. It might take hours, it might take days, it might take months, it might take years. But I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to stand in that gap. And some of you here, especially those of you, they are seasoned prayer warriors. Your own age. Say, God, what should I do right now? I want you, if you can, want to call in to be intercessor. Nobody will know your name. Nobody know what you pray but you have a direct line with God. 
and God will download all the mystery to you and that you can pray a perfect prayer, the prayer of God's heart and will change this course of history of nation and the world without anybody knowing it. Do you know that in World War II, during World War II, if you read the book, Reese Howe Intercessor, H-O-W-E-L, if you are a prayer warrior intercessor, you need to read the book, Reese Howe Intercessor, who changed the course of World War II because he and few college students intercede. That's, that German, under Adolf Hitler, was about to go and attack Britain. And the last minute, he changed his course and attacked Russia and lost the biggest war. And Reese Howe believed it because of intercession that the wind of God just changed the course of the enemy. And World War II never be the same again. Read the history. And those of you who are called by God, I want you please lift up the pastor and, and the spouse and the children in prayer. Will you intercede? I, you know, I... When I resign from my job, and you know, you resign, you always begin to ask God what you need to learn, what I need to learn, what will I do next if I go to a, a, a new place, a new church. And God, you know, I, I will say the first thing that I will do is to should, I should ask for those to intercede. More than anything, ministry. It's not about growing ministry, but intercede. And just last time I was I was on my bed just meditating. God just reminded me, say you need to ask people to intercede for all the pastors and stuff. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's warfare. You know, it's warfare. You know that. Your own life, they can't. I'll tell you, when you intercede for us, your life will be much better. <laughs> now you said, how that that can be? Let me give you a revelation. Let me give you a revelation. In the Old Testament, when they poured the oil on Aaron, you understand that? Oil on Aaron, they pour it from the top and flow it down to his beard and down. That is anointing that God put leadership over your life. That anointing will flow from the top all the way down. When you pray, the Bible says, when you pray for authority, it brings protection anointing on you. And that's the revelation you need to learn. If you have any issue in your life, you pray for your authority. Now, I'm not talking about personality. Now, you might be going to say, well, no, we have a bad president right now. You, if you understand about the principal authority, it's not about personality. It's the position that God put. You understand that? Saul was put into the position of king. And then God said, I'm going to give this to David. Right? And David has every chance to what? To take upon himself that kingship from Saul. But he said, I will not touch the anointed. Because God puts salt in that position. In the only position that can change if God is the one that put it back to, to David. The same thing, you are not in the position to take the authority away. God did. What you need to do is to pray. You talk about Timothy and everything, ask her to pray for our leaders so that you have peaceful and long life. And so there's anointing fluid. So now I said, wife, you need to pray over your husband because that authority flow from them to you and the children. More than anything else, I know your husband is not perfect. I know that. You don't have to nudge him right now. <laughs> I told you to take the garbage out. You did not. I, we all know that. 
none of us is perfect. Because if we are perfect, we'll be God right now. And we'll be a lousy God. But what you need to do, more than anything, wife, that you intercede for your husband. That character that you need to change, that you want him to change, whatever issue that you have, you intercede. Because you know what I learned one thing? You know that you've been nagging him for the past 20-some years. He has not changed. I'm telling you what. Tell God. Because God can speak to your husband. If your husband don't change because God told him, he has a long day. You know what I mean? He has a long day. You want God to be on your side. And God can change him instantly. And then it flow down to your children. And that is a principle. It's not about personality. It's the position. So I encourage you, those who are called to be intercessor, pray. Pray for your authority. Pray for the president. Pray for the mayor. Pray for the governor. Pray for all authorities upon your life. And that God will give them wisdom to govern. Understand? God in control, sovereign of everything. That's the first thing. If you call, you say, God put you, maybe God put you specific pastor that you want to intercede for the rest of your life. Then regardless say, God put me in your name, Pastor Kirk, Pastor Adam, or Pastor John, Pastor Todd, or Pastor Don, God put me in your heart that I want to stand the gap for your family, regardless where I am. I might move to somewhere, other state, some other place, but God has put me to intercede for you for the rest of life. That's great. That's the first thing. Second thing, my wife just reminded me a few weeks ago, and it didn't dawn on me. This is the month of October. So let me, let me bring you some clarification. The month of October is considered the holy month for Wiccan and paganism, witchcraft. If you ever experienced something this past few weeks and months there, something's not funky, something's not happening. I don't know why is it, because this is the month. Now, I know that some of us, I'm not putting a fear, I think some of us live in a place where we don't, see that happen, so it's out of our mind, out of our sight, so we don't think about it. But it is happening. This is the month. Let me, let me read you something about what is it, so you understand where I come from. It said that every year on October 31st, the Sabbath we call, this is from the pagan, Samhain, present us with the opportunity to once more celebrate the cycle of death and rebirth. For many pagans and Wiccan traditions, Samhain is a time to reconnect with, their, with our ancestors and honor those who have died. This is a time where the veil between our world and the spirit realm is thin. So it's the perfect time of the year to make contact with the dead. Now, you might say, oh man, but it's real. So what I need to do is, what I need to say, this is the mind that you, you know, I, I always think, I always think, as a Christian, we should not be ignorant. God calls us to be watchful or to be alert. That we need to watchful and be alert and not to be ignorant. And so we need to be watchful. So when something happens, something occurs, say, oh, okay, I understand. There is additional spiritual warfare coming on this mind. 
so that you know that whatever conflict that you have, you recognize as an enemy power of princess. Ephesians chapter 6 talk about that is moving more rapidly or more strongly or more evidently this month than any other month. And so you become aware of it, then you know how to press on more. Let me say this very clearly. Because the pastor vision and the leadership vision, as we are moving into presence of God, the, 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 the move of the, we desire, the revival, the move of Holy Spirit in this place. Now I say we are strategically, intentionally want to see not only the power but the manifestation of God in this place, in this county. And we want to see the revival move. Whenever we make that declaration that we're going to increase prayer, we're going to increase revival, we're going to increase generosity, all these things, when we declare before God and to the enemy, the enemy has us as a target. Now, we are not walking by fear because the enemy cannot touch us because we are coming with the blood. But we don't want to be assumed or presumptuous. So we need to be ready in and out of season in everywhere. So because we intentionally strategically declare to God and to the enemy that we are going to take back the land, the territory that you have stronghold upon, that we are coming in and declare God's kingdom in that place. And they know right away, the enemy say, okay, we're not afraid. But because with that, we need to step out our prayer. We need to step out our life. We need to step out our walk, our behavior, our speech, everything, lining up with the kingdom of God. So that the enemy will not have any foothold to dismantle us or to what? To diminish the anointing that God has upon your life. With that, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. I'm not sure how far I can go. Give me a few minutes. Because we are in a real war. Now I know that we have not, with everything that's happening in this nation and many other nations, it's not that we do not pay attention and have no notice. But we pray all the time for the kingdom of God to come. Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. I'm reading for New American Standard. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, I don't know, I know you don't want, to, don't want to read the word difficult. I think sometimes we present the gospel wrong to the people. It's like when you come to Jesus, everything will be all right. He's going to be Santa Claus, Jesus, giving you gifts all the time. You need to understand one thing. Difficult times will come because you know why? Sin. And the things that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And maybe sometimes God will not elevate the problem in your life. But what he wants to do is to walk with you through the problem. Not to take the problem away. Understand in the book of 
Genesis or Exodus that God said that Israel said God why you don't take the enemies away from us and God said why because he wants to train the next generation how to do war why God never take the enemy out from this earth he never take all the fertility because he wants to train us how to do war because if you don't know how, how to do war you, have, you do not know how to grow become more like Christ so any difficulty problem in your life is God wants to train you to become an overcomer of the situation some of you want to run away that's not fur. I don't want to deal with it. I no, God said, I want you to walk through with me. Because through that walking through, I will teach you how to be overcomer. Understand this. The very area that God helped you to overcome is the very area God going to use you to help others to overcome. Now, there's only two ways. Easy way or the hard way. Have you seen someone in the hospital when the doctor about to operate on the person and have not put the anesthesia on the person what will happen? he will start kicking, yelling, shouting I mean everything right? that is where God said I want you to die because the quicker you die the faster he can do this work on you when you start kicking and shouting, it will take a long time. Some of you here are kicking and shouting when God wants to do a surgery in your life. I don't want that. It's too painful. It's too hard. Hey, just die. <laughs> Have you seen a dead person yelling and shouting? No. That's what God wants you to do. By his stripe, we are healed. By our stripe, we can help others to be healed. It's because of your testimony that you walk through with God. That's why you can sit down with somebody who's gone through the same trial and test and able to help that person. Anytime you escape from the problem and difficulty in your life, that's why you have not learned your lesson yet. So difficult time. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. <coughs> I'm not talking about the high school children. I'm talking about you adult. Some of you 60, 70 years old still rebelling against your parents. I want to do it my way. I'm old enough. <clears throat> Let me see. Where, where am I going? Okay, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossip, without self-control, brutal, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, considered lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And you say, oh, this is what the sinners do. This is outside. This is the people from the outside. Ah, the, the scary thing is that this very thing that Paul prescribed is in the church. Yes, God talking. Paul is writing to, this is what happened in the last day. 
But the scary thing, the sad thing is that this very attitude, this very lifestyle is in the church of God. That is a scary thing. That is a saddest thing. Number six. Number five. Treacher, reckless, considered lovers of pleasure rather than love God. Holding to a form of godliness. Although they have denied its power, avoid such men as this. You know what this thing? This very thing that Paul described is also in the church that we have the form of godliness here. But we deny the power of God. We are more concerned of the outward appearance than the inward transformation in our life. And that's why we have the church of Jesus Christ today has no power to make a difference. Less than 1% of LGBT turn this nation around, where 75% claim to be Christian could not even change this nation. Hello? Why? Because the power of God is not manifest in the church. Because we are more concerned about ourselves than the kingdom. We are bickering over little things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. When people are lost and going to hell and God is not manifest in every place. If the people will stand and get into seat. You know 2 Chronicles chapter 7.14. If you read that scripture in the Old Testament, it said four, it said, if what? My he didn't say outsider. He didn't say sinners. He said, My people who call by my name will humble themselves. In the New Testament, God said, judgment began in the house of God first. Right here. You know when we talk about revival, we always think the outside revival is inside first. Here. Revival is something that is what used to be alive and dead and then bring back again life. The only situation that we can see that is in the church. We were alive once and we are dead and God wants to revive us back again. Some of you here need revival. You have been you call yourself Christian, you call yourself you come to church, but you are even thinking anything that's further from God right now. Just clocking your time. I come to church, yes, one Sunday. Great, fantastic, I fulfill my responsibility. No wonder at the church of God does not have the power to move forward in the kingdom. If 75% call themselves Christian and they move under the power of God, we will be living in different era right now. Let me read you something. If you indulge me for a while, and I probably can close with this. In late 1700, beginning of 1800, in this county, Washington, there's a mighty move of God. You know that? Do you know that there's two churches still exist? Um, where's the team? 
um, house there called? Is it Buffalo? Buffalo. There's, there's four, but two churches exist right now. That used to be revival. That's not too far from here. Let me read this. This, this history. This is how their meeting place. This old log meeting house were, of course, exceedingly primitive in their character. The bodies, this, the bodies of this building were constructed of unhewn logs, just as they were brought from the adjoining forest. For windows, a portion of one of the logs were taken out and the space closed by the greased paper through which the light was supposed to enter. The roof was made of flat boards held in place by heavy timber laid upon them. The pulpit was usually placed in a recess in one side of the church. The seat was made of split slabs into which feet had been placed and soft side, of course, been turned up. As to the back of the pews, floor or fireplaces, they were not to be taught off. So there's no back, they just slept with it. Indeed, in later times, when the procurement of stoves was a possibility, their introduction was thoroughly resisted on the ground that it was a useless, extravagant, and unwarrantable innovation upon their time-honored customs. So it means that when stove introduced, when they put fire in, they consider that to be extravagance. Because it's hinder their worship unto God. We complain about too hot, too cold. Where's the AC right now? And they say that is extravagant, it's because it deter us for our focus on God. Hello? The primitive meeting house was, of course, cold and cheerless. And hence, whenever it was possible and the weather would permit, both preacher and congregation felt far more comfortable in the open air in the adjoining grove. So say, I'd rather go outside to have open air to be inside. Wait a minute. And one day we say, hey, winter is coming, no? Let's go out, have services. We'll be like, what <laughs> We need a committee. We need a business meeting right now. We need to vote. <laughs> the attend, therefore, was the preacher open air pulpit. It was usually about six by ten feet square, three sides of which were closed, and the open side or front being turned toward the congregation. On the floor of the platform, slightly elevated, the, pre- the speaker stood when he poured forth his eloquence to his assembled congregation, seated on the logs and piece of timber arranged in somewhat semicircle form before him. These open-air services were generally well attended and often deeply solemn, especially on communion occasion, where the whole community for miles will come together to observe their semi-annual religious festival. In the 18th century, if you know the Cane Ridge Revival, which is right near Ohio area kind of thing, they, are 20, they say that sometimes 20,000 people will come in horse and buggy in cold winter and for miles and miles will drive because they want to experience the power and the presence of God. 
in the open air. You know how they preach? They were stationed pastor to preach because there's no microphone. I want my I want my bottle of water. I want my cupcake. <laughs> I want the 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 the, the you know, like when I speak, they can hear me. I want my new microphone. Nothing. Just preach. And see, indeed, I suppose the old preaching thing of Western Pennsylvania has been associated with some of the most thrilling, interesting scenes which we ever be witness until the angel of time shall have sounded the last trumpet. And if you look at the result, we were scarcely less astonished. And understand this. We are not talking about Assembly of God. We're talking about Presbyterian. We're talking about Methodists. We're talking about the Baptists. Okay? We are talking about AG. Haven't started yet. We started in 1904, 1904, Azusa, and then 1914. This is like 18th century. Early 18. People don't understand that. When they talk about Pentecostalism, it's not about Pastor Kassel, it's not, it's not AG. Pentecostal started 2,000 years ago. Has no denomination. We put the label. God never put the label. God want everyone to experience Pentecost. Not certain denomination. Why happened with tradition? Tradition kill the power and the presentation of God. We never live in tradition. And Paul's exalted. We need to understand the following of the Holy Spirit. And we look to result scarcely authority. The, the so-called falling exercises, which we call slaying the spirit. <laughs> they call it falling exercises. Where, where people fall under the presence of God, they call it falling exercises. Then for the, t- for the first time, witness in this part of the con- co- country had never been fully understood or explained, but certainly they were in themselves very remarkable. The body become affected with trembling, feebleness or falling strength, then shrinking down unless supported. The subject often weeps or cries aloud. In many instances, the body is considerably convulsed. Some become quite powerless and without motion for a considerable time, with little sign of life. The breathing, the breathing very weak, scarcely discernible, and the pulse very faint. Presbyterian, <laughs> Methodist, Baptist. Now when the power of God fall upon them, it seems that they lose all the control and everything. I mean, they have no power to even sit or stand. They literally, like, literally fall down from their seat. The body become affected and terminally said. Dr. McLean said that, that it was not an unusual thing for a person to be so entirely deprived of strength that they will fall from their seat or their feet and be, be as unable to help themselves as a newborn infant and remain in this condition for hours. And what is rem- remarkable, their inward sense all the while remain the acute and even more alive to what was going on in relation to their spiritual interests than ever before. 
but whatever were the outward manifestation, they were invariably preceded as well as accompanied with more or less intense religious in impression, usually taking the form of deep, overwhelming conviction of personal guilt and estrangement from God, abuse of God's mercy and exposed to His wrath and displeasure. Another word said, when the power, the genuine power of God fall, not only that, we will see the manifestation of His power, whether behavior that is escaped, that person will fall out of God, or he feel like he's fainted, but he said, this is what evidence, there is a transformation inside of them because of their unworthiness and sinful nature of, God, of them towards God. So there is uh, something happening. They recognize that God is merciful. Then they need a savior and a master on their life. There is a conviction of sin. Any, any time when the power of God moves, that is accompanied by the conviction of sin in your life. You know why conviction is needed? To make them know they are need to be humble before God. They are not all together. They, they need God desperately. Because that's inward transformation. You see, you can do our thing. You can be a good person, be a godly person outward. That will not last. Because that only exhibits in front of everybody, publicly. But my God concern is what you do in your private time. Where nobody sees. And God wants to point that finger in your heart said. Is that really you? Are you the same person in and out? Now, if you really want to know who you are, husband, ask your wife. Ask your children. Am I the same dad outside, inside? If they say no, you better ask God. Why not? Wife, same thing too. Inside, outside, are you the same? Privately and publicly. Many seem to be groaning under the sense of present condemnation and were not slow to declare that they felt already the thun thunderbolts of God's wrath in their bosom. Their impression as well as outward manifestation was, were most frequently connected with the manifestation, many ministry, ministration of God's word and ordinance, but by no means confused to them. Often the most serious impression were felt after the service were over. On their way to and from sanctuary, something were alone in the closet, and others still were in the way act opposing the word of God. Now we say that the word of God does not even stop in the church, but on the way home, the conviction of God will come, even when they're riding their horse, everything that they have to stop and confess. I going to believe by faith someday that when every message is preached from this place, that when people go out, whether they're driving or any place, the power of the God Commission will come upon them. They have to pull their car off the highway interstate and wept and cry because God's power is so strong. They have to confess their sin before God. You know, it's, it, it, you know, it will be interesting that one day we drive on interstate, we see all car pull over on one side. <laughs> and police policeman driving is like, what is happening? <laughs> Do you know that 
that happened before? During Wesley time? John Wesley time? Do you know in John Wesley time, because Wesley is the one John John started the Methodist denomination, they would flip over their grave right now if they didn't know what's happened. Because they were under the power of God. Do you know that in their time, whenever a policeman comes to a person who is lying down on the street or any place, right, they're going, they're going to go and smell them. You know why they smell? To find out whether they are drunk or what. If they don't smell alcohol on their breath, they will call it the Wesley disease. <laughs> now what's it? He's under the power of God. It would be nice if I see body lying around in this parking lot. Uh. Okay. Holy Spirit disease. Okay. Uh, that's good. Now you will be laughing. One of these days we will see like that. You know what I'm saying? God always wants to make fool of us. Not because of foolish sake. Because he wants to confound the world. Because the world said want to get high. God said I show you what's high all about. Now you say I'm joking. No, I'm serious. I, I want God manifest because I'm telling you what, we don't have much time and we don't have the answer. I don't, I don't care. I read news every day. I'm a news addict. I read every day. You look, everything is happening. There's only one solution. Jesus Christ, power of His Holy Spirit. Because it's not about behavior, it's a heart change. Only God can change the heart. I don't care how many bills you write, how many constitutions you write, or how many law you put. If there is no transformation in the heart, regardless what, it will not change. You know what's happened? 9-11, right? The first few weeks of the month, everybody's flocked to the church. And everything, everything settled down. Now everybody curse God. What happened? Because, that's, because when they don't experience the transformation power of God in their heart, nothing will change. That's what we want. That's the only answer. You can read other scripture, back and forth. The only time nations, people change, is because they experience the transformation power of God. And what it means by that, they're willing to say, God, I need you. We need you. We need to humble ourselves. Of those belong to this little two remarkable instances are on record. They were the one was a noble infidel or scoffer who set out for the avowed purpose of turning the whole religious service into ridicule. You know, somebody opposed the service. Before, however, he got even in the sight of the place where the service was being held. He himself was struck down so that he would not proceed no further. And the agony of the awakened conscience, he began to cry to God for mercy. So now when the people that are opposed to the work of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, they will come purposely, intentionally to come against the work of God. They were struck down by the power of God. And they are cried for mercy. The other was the, the, uh, the case of a parent who was filled with indignation because some of the children had gone to one of these meetings without his consent and in the face of non-opposition. In a rage, he set out determined to bring them back even by force. But Scully, had he reached the ground, this is not even the church, the ground, and before he got his eye on his children, he was so overcome that he fell prostrate on the ground and from his, and from his deep mental agony, he got no relief until he found it at the feet of Jesus. That God put this pressure, conviction, 
that God said, I will not even let you move until you repent. That is You know what I'm saying? When God brings conviction, you can't move. You literally have to be there until you say, God, I surrender all. That's why I said, I said to those who oppose God, intentionally associated to the kingdom of God, they have no idea what's coming upon them. And God is not going to bring judgment. He's bringing mercy. But if He's merciful, He brings conviction. Now, while you consider that it was not no necessary connection between the remarkable bodily exercise and the regeneration of the soul, the, the, that, many, that many felt them who were not save, savingly affected and that not a few who were savingly affected were not brought under the power of this outward demonstration. They certainly do show the wonderful power of God connected therewith, especially when we remember that friends and foes are alike powerless to resist them. And then when we come to reflect upon these great numbers who in the judgment of charity were brought to Christ, perhaps not less than 500 during, during the months of October and November in the fall of 1802, in connection with the churches in Washington County alone, that the far-reaching consequences upon God's people here and elsewhere in the full measure of the result will only be known when the angel of time has sounded his trumpet and the books are open. Let me finish this. This is from the book of Duncan Campbell. If you know about Duncan Campbell, Revival in Wales. The, the price and the power of revival. How is it that while we make such great claims for the power of the gospel, we see so little of the supernatural in operation? Is there any reason why the church today cannot everywhere equal the church at Pentecost? I felt that this is a question we ought to face when an with an open mind and an honest heart. What did the early church have that we do not possess today? Nothing but the Holy Spirit, nothing but the power of God. Here I will suggest that one of the main secrets of success in the early church lay in the fact that the early believer believes the unction or the anointing from on high and not entertainment from men. How did the early church get the people? By publicity projects, by bills, by posters, by parades, by pictures, no, the people were arrested and drawn together and brought into a vital relationship with God, not by the sounds from men, but by the sounds from heaven. The early church cried for unction and not for entertainment. Unction is a, is a dire and desperate need of ministry today. That's why we cry out for and I hope all of us join together that we cry out for the anointing of God in this place. More than any program and any things, you know, we're going to introduce many things, but without the power of God, it's just another thing, another fact, coming in and going out. That we want to fill this place with hungry soul and hungry heart, that they can't wait to minister unto God. 
reason we come here is not that we will be fat. God gave me a revelation two weeks ago. We spent too much time asking God to come down and comfort us. Asking God to come down and minister to us. Asking God to come down to meet our needs. And God said, when, when will my children, instead of asking me to come down, about asking me how can I go up to him? Instead of that, me, 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 it's like, oh God, what you want? When we come here, we minister unto him. And I say this again, I say to all my discipleship group, we don't want to plan a service to attract people to come here. That is not our priority, I said. Our concern, how we plan service to attract the Holy Spirit here. Because I know once the Holy Spirit here, He, the scriptures there say this, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, what did he say? I will draw all men. He said, if I, Jesus, be lifted up, I will draw all men. So our job here is to lift up Jesus. If I lift Jesus up, he will draw all men. Not ministry, not church, not central. But if we lift up Jesus, he will draw all men. And so I'll challenge all of you here. Regardless what ministry you involve, whatever you do, your job is to lift up Jesus. Not yourself. Not this is what I want, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to see. You lift up Jesus. That's all. And when we lift Jesus up, he will draw all men to himself. So let me close with this. And I want elaborate this, but I just want to share. And I want you to go back and meditate on the scripture. And you ask God, what does it mean to you? Luke 9, 23. Luke 9, 23. And he says, he was saying to them, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. Will you this week ask God, what does that mean to my life? What does that mean, deny myself? What does that mean, pick up the cross? What does that mean, follow me? And I believe that is one of the key to revival first begin in your life. If you understand, you understand about Jesus' ministry, one of the key that he taught often is abandonment. 
surrender. He talked about surrender a lot. And that's why he gave his life to us all on the cross. I think until we know, until we come to a place of complete surrender, you will never experience the fullness of the power of God in your life. Until you completely die to yourself, you will never see Jesus manifest Him as a person through your life. I want to see God move. I want to read the history of 1800 happened here. I want God on the 21st, 22nd century right here to blow a wind of His Holy Spirit in this place. And I say, God, if I am the hindrance, then remove me. If I am the hindrance, then you have to change me and show me what I need to do. Because I want to be a vessel, a conduit for you to flow in and through. That at the end of the story, it's not Juan, but Jesus. I'm just a vessel. fully surrender to you have I fully died to myself if it's not please show me if there's anything in my life does not resemble what you call for in this last day am I of lovers of God or lovers of the world do I wake up in the morning Think about how can I lift up Jesus or how he can use me to further his kingdom or I'm still consumed with the things of this world. You know, God only looked for one man, one woman who said yes to him and said, God, I will pour out that spirit. Now we're not talking about having the form of godliness, but we see the demonstration of His power in our life. And we need to be desperate because we have not much time left. Let me give you a revelation. If you, this is, how many times I close? I think this is the fifth time I'm closing. <laughs> when we say we are closing, it doesn't mean anything. It means like, you know, like, there's not. A few days ago, I was reading this. And I take it as why is it? Take it as why is it? In the past few years, there's something happened. You might read about it, but to put two things together. In the past five, six years, I just believe the Holy Spirit, I believe God is awakening. That there is a resurgence or something happening. where people felt that they got told them 
to build a life-size Noah ark. This is not just a just a small one. You know, there's three life-size Noah ark, and a fourth is coming. One, one is America, you know. Another one is in Denmark, I think. Another one is in Macau, Hong Kong. Another one is going to be built in Canada. Recently. Now, you see. What did I do? In Matthew 24, it said, In the last day, it's like the day of Noah. They'll be marrying, partying, they name all these things. People will live their life. Take it as what is it. Before the flood comes, God told Noah to build a boat. So that people can come into the ark. In some sense, I say God is giving us a warning, but as it is a mercy that He's coming back. He's one as many as people come into the ark of God. Because I understand one thing: before judgment, God always proceed, God always bring mercy first. If you understand, and I'm studying this, I'm studying everything that's happening in the world. If you study everything that's happening in the world, whether it's Katrina and everything, if you study carefully. Before all these things happen, before all these things happen, God always brings mercy before the judgment comes. Before the flood flooded Katrina, God always brings mercy, a warning to the people. Before God comes to judgment, judge the earth, God always brings the warning. Take it as one as it is. When I was sitting down, I to say, God, you are warning us. They are coming back soon. You're going to judge the earth. It's about time we all get busy. Not busy for busy sake, but busy for the kingdom's sake. Matthew 24 said, get work while it's there. There's a lot more things to do. There's a lot more people need to know Jesus Christ. There's a lot more things that we need to know God. You know, sometimes when you read something like that and you say, God, okay, God, just, you know, you, I want to discern, God, what you're saying at this hour in the midst of everything. And that's one of the mysteries of God. He will put things that nobody can notice. Do you know that when Jesus comes to this earth the first time, nobody knows he's coming except the shepherd? That's kind of God. He will come unnoticed, no announcement at all. And sometimes God will put all this thing in our life to say, hey, look up. I'm just giving you pieces and pieces. Get ready. When you see such thing, get ready. Be alert. Stand for all of that. I'm coming back soon. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you even this afternoon. We desire you, Jesus Christ. God, as much as we want to see the power and the manifestation of your Holy Spirit in this place, we want to see life transform and change and people coming into your kingdom, your presence. God, you have commanded us in the scripture in telling us that we have 
not much time left. So I pray for this morning, God, whatever we need to change to be more like you, will you reveal to us that we'll be honest to you and say, God, I know I need to change, but I don't know how to. So I need your grace and your power and your strength to help me to change my area. Because I cannot live the same way that I used to live. As a husband, as a father, as an employee, employer, God, I want your light to shine through me. Whether in workplace, in school, in grocery, everywhere I go, God. That Jesus, that you will be exalted in my life. God, I pray that Jesus, that we don't have to wait too long right here in Central to see the power of God move. God, whatever needed for us to prepare to host your presence, God, will you reveal to us that we together in one accord, one body, and know what to do when you reveal the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. That we can repent and confess and change. And so that you find us ready to receive what you have for us here. Before I close in prayer, I want to ask you, we are with eyes closed and head bowed down. If you are here in this room, whether you call yourself Christian or never ask Jesus into your life. You see, you can call yourself Christian, but you never commit, surrender wholeheartedly. You're still doing your own way. Christianity is just a religion. But you don't have a personal relationship with God, meaning that God is not the Lord over your life. You know, some of you still call yourself Christian, but you still think that God, I mean, you believe in God, but still you run your own life. But today, if you, anyone in this room, that you have not surrendered your life completely to God, or you want to come back to Jesus Christ and say, will you please pray for me, Pastor Juan? I want to completely surrender wholeheartedly for God. I don't want to play games anymore. I have wasted my life. It's about time for God to use me for His kingdom's sake. If you are in this room and say, Pastor Juan, you please pray for me. If you raise your hand, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to completely give my life. I want to, you know, uh, to go, you go out here without this opportunity to give your life fully to God. You heard about the testimony in the water baptism, how their life changed because of the power of God. If you are in this room, if you can raise your hand, say, Pastor, you please pray for me. If I close in prayer. I see one hand there. I see another hand there. Anyone else? I see another hand there. I see your hand there, sir. Anyone else? I see hand in the back. I see hands here, right here too. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, God, I want to give my life to you. No more playing games. Those who raise their hand and everyone here in this room, I see the hand, sister. I want you to repeat after me. This is not a formula. Pray this is not a formula. We just pray because we just confess to God. God said, if you believe in your heart and confess that it's Lord, that He rose again for the third day, you are safe. So all we do right now is say, God, we just confess and agree with you. 
So as I pray this prayer, I want you to pray in your heart. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I fall short of your glory. I believe you come to this earth to die for my sin. And that you rose again on the third day. Because of your blood that cleansed all my sins away. I receive your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life right now. Be the Lord and the Savior of my life. That from today on, on October 2nd, 2016, I am the follower of Jesus Christ. No longer looking back to the world, but wholeheartedly committed my life to Him. So Jesus, teach me how to love you and how to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. My life belongs to you today. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that raised their hand but completely gave their life to you. I pray when they leave this place that the enemy will not put a guilt trip on them or tell them otherwise. That they walk here and their family member, their friend will see there is a difference in their life. So I pray that God put the grace upon them as they continue to walk in relationship with you. So I pray even today, God, may your will be done, your kingdom come in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that gave your heart, I want to challenge what you want to. If you don't have the Bible, we want to give you one. Read your Bible. Begin with the book of John. I want you, we want desire to grow. So we want to partner with you to have somebody to come alongside with you and to guide you, to grow with you. I don't want all to be alone. And this is why I began the journey. And now because you are the children of God, you can talk with God all the time, every day. But we are here as a pastor, anyone here, to help you to grow. So if you have said some questions, some challenge in your life, come, let us know. We want to disciple you. We want to raise you up. We want to release you. We want to see God's potential released in your life. That we don't want you to walk alone in the kingdom of God. Amen? So God bless of you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.